This is episode one of the Transformation Chamber with special guest Ashley Small, owner of Medley Inc., author of Connect to Press, and advocate for women of color all over the world. In this episode, we talk about building and sustaining your confidence as an entrepreneur, recognizing and monetizing your true value, and how to properly position yourself for success. With that said, let's step into the Transformation Chamber. Welcome everybody to the Transformation Chamber, episode one. <laughs> Sounds like I got a long way to go, but I'm happy to be here. I'm here with my friend Ashley Small. What's up, Ashley? Thank you for having me, Josh, and congratulations. I uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, she's been pushing me for a while, and so have some of my other friends. So here I am. And what are we doing here? So that I'll tell you guys a little bit about the Transformation Chamber, and then we can kind of get into the, today's discussion. Uh, basically, the idea is to talk to successful people such as yourself about how you transformed uh, just going coming from where you came from to get to where you've gone and what were the things that you embarked upon along the way not only the wins but also the losses the lessons and the failures and so when we talk to people like you the hope is that some of our listeners hear something that um, that can help them transform quote unquote on their journey towards success so a little bit about our guest today I'm happy to do that Honor Ashley Small is a communication strategist, a publicist, and an entrepreneur. Super, super dope. Black girls rock. I tell her all the time. I love working with her. I love just being able to call her a colleague. Uh, she's very motivational, inspirational. And, you know, her whole thing is storytelling and empowering co- women of color to find their voice. So uh, let's welcome again to the show, <laughs> Ashley Small. I can't wait to jump right into it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, first of all, let's let's go. Like, tell us a little bit about your background. You know, where are you from? Who are your parents? You know, how did that whole thing work out for you? I'm from a place called Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, there are black people in Tulsa. Really? (laughs) (laughs) And I certainly had my fair share of challenges being in Tulsa, but my mom was my first advocate. She's still my number one advocate. Um, You know, always looking at magazines and TV and saying, hey, Ashley, look at that black girl. Hey, Ashley, you see that black girl walking down the street? Hey, Ashley, you can be any type of black girl you want to be. And so that was something I heard from the time, as as long as I can remember. Um, And so it just translated into to kind of me moving into rooms through middle school and high school when I saw an opportunity to give rise and give space for black voices I started understanding how important it was left Tulsa moved to Houston went to TSU right down the street in third ward Texas Southern University and I just stayed and so I've been in the neighborhood for a long time and um I have two very hardworking parents who are my first model of what it's like to be good, honest, hardworking people. Um, I was just talking about it the other day that I thought for the longest life was just consumed of hard work and and not much more richness to it and vibrancy. Um, and in recent years, I've been um, trying to kind of find some balance in life. I'm, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to share with you today. Yeah, no, that's cool. So um, you said something that's important. Uh, and I always every time I see this quote, I think of you just because I know kind of how you move. There's a quote that says it's on a lot of shirts. Uh, I'm my ancestors wildest dreams. And for you to be able to come up in a household with two parents working hard and then be able to take it to the level in which you've taken it. I think that's quite amazing. How do your parents feel about your success? Well, my dad doesn't quite know what I do, but <laughs> <laughs> but he knows that I move in spaces where events happen. 
And so um, I think he's proud of me. Last time I saw him, I'm honestly, for the first time in my life, he hugged me and he said, you are a magical black girl and I'm so proud of you. And you need to hear those words. And I, 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 I definitely got emotional. But my mom is always like, do you know my daughter? Like if anyone tries to come at her sideways, she's like, I'm going to call my daughter. Yeah. And so she's very aware of what I do. And she understands the power of the pen and the power of the press. And she knows how to exercise that power. Um, going back to my childhood a little bit, one time I experienced what my mom felt like was discrimination. I had a classmate who was also my best friend. Mm-hmm. And one day I, I came to class and my teacher said, Ashley, you have to be moved to another class. So my mom's like, what's going on? Come to find out her dad, who's a white man, um, <clears throat> told the teacher to remove me from the class because I was a bad influence. We know that there were some underlying issues there. My mom shows up at school and she's like, I'm going to call the news. I'm going to call the mayor. My daughter better be back in her class by the end of the day. And so she was she actually was my first publicist and advocate um, and letting me understand the power of influence and speaking up for yourself. No, that's interesting because uh, I grew up in the hood and I know a lot of mothers who were like publicists, but they would go up to the school like with their hair in the cornrows and then they have on the dress. But they will definitely get whatever you yeah, get it done. They like, hey, you don't mess with Ray Ray and, you know, X, Y and Z. So it's important to have a mother who speaks up for you like that. When when thinking about a publicist and I know a lot of people want to know what exactly is a publicist or what does a publicist communication strategist? I know you've kind of grown throughout your career. You started as a publicist and now you're in a space of a communication strategist. What does that all entail? Um, you know, what does that mean? Yeah, so a publicist really in a nutshell helps amplify a person or a brand's voice, um, helps tell their story. The difference between a publicist and an agency is a publicist typically works independently. Mm-hmm. And so they may take on a handful of clients, grinding it out. You're up all night. You're juggling many different tasks. So if you're a publicist, you're likely your own bookkeeper. You're likely your own ops person. You're, li- you're likely your own admin person. I knew early on that I wanted to have an agency and have a team because I know that I'm not always the smartest person in the room. I also know that I don't always have the best ideas. And so the value of having a team around me has been incredible. So I moved from a publicist to being an agency owner. And now I, in in my role as an agency owner, I'm a communication strategist because I oversee pretty much all of our campaigns from a a kind of big picture level. Um, Just kind of being able to look at what the strategy is and guide our team and our clients through their strategy, specifically focused on how they communicate to their existing and potential audiences. And so kind of... um, pivoted throughout the years is is that a major at tsu like how did you know so good question um i went to school to be a journalist i wanted to be knocking on doors and uncovering stories and and giving um, voices to small business owners who needed to tell their story to drive business to their um business to their doors Mm -hmm. um so i always wanted to be a storyteller and i like the idea of uncovering new information i really got um some type of energy from it so that was my initial goal. But when I moved into the industry, this is 2008. Twitter had just launched a year ago, a year before 20, 2008. Um, the newspaper industry had declined by 50%. And so I started thinking, like, I need to focus on self-preservation right. because pretty soon I'm going to be called to HR and be asked to pack up my box because I didn't pack up my desk because I knew it was happening. The industry was just changing quickly. So most of us who went to school for journalism had to pivot early on. Um, so we started acquiring digital media skills search engine optimization, you know, marketing, all these technical skills, as well as advancing our communication skills. I discovered PR when I was an undergrad, just needing to graduate. 
And I um, I was like, um, okay, I need a couple class to graduate. So I looked at the count, looked at the schedule, and then I saw an advanced PR class. And I was like, I don't know what PR is. Um, I definitely don't qualify to, have to, to be in the advanced class, but this is what I have to do to graduate. Showed up at the chair of the departments um, in her office, and I was like, look, I know you don't know me, but anyone who knows me knows that I'm a hard worker, and I'm competent, and I'm capable. Please let me in the advanced class. Wow. She said no, so I went back. Went back a few times, and finally she let me in. Yo, let's. <laughs> you just said a whole lot right there. <laughs> First of all, like kudos to you for that, but the idea of going back, all right? So now we're getting into it. Um, why didn't you quit the first time? Like, why didn't you just say, all right, cool, let me go somewhere else? I understood early on in my life that it's not about the question you ask, it's about how you ask it. And so I thought, I just need to go back and frame this a little differently, and, sh- and she might change her mind. Nice, okay. No, that, that's, that's good. It's not about the question you ask, it's about how you ask it. Can you give me an example of that? Like, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I'm just for the listeners and for just like a real world experience. Like, what's the time where you act, were asking the question the wrong way? Well, that was certainly an example. Um, when I first, when I initially went to this environment, I believe that I was asking her a question and I approached it from a self-serving standpoint. This is what I need. This is this, you know, this is what I have to have. Right, right. Um, the second time I came to her, I started to talk to her about the benefit that I add to the program, the benefit that I add to the university, the value I add as a human being coming out of this program, having taken this class and being able to contribute to the world in a meaningful way. And so in the PR world, that's that's what our job is centered on is asking the question in a clever way that appeals to the journalist. No, that's good. You talked about uh, you and you do this all the time. Actually, one, it's one of the reasons why I enjoy talking to you value and how important that word is to you and the idea of value and understanding your own value. Um, I know quite a few people who are in your industry. Right. And and it's um, maybe they don't see the their true value. And it's also because I know. We're in a city where a lot of times people don't understand the need for communication strategists, publicists, PR, whatever. And so that drives down the value of the person actually doing the job. But you have been able to like overcome that and make people you able to train and educate people on what your value is and why they need you, just much like you did with the class. Can you speak more to the importance of understanding your value and how can other people benefit from it? And uh, not just you, but other people benefit from understanding your value. Well, I know for me, I, I haven't always sat in this position. I believe for the first few years of launching our company, I was not charging what I was worth. I was not um, persistent in demanding that we get paid what we're worth. I did not have a compelling value proposition. Um, and it took some time. Like I needed to do the work to be able to show my value. And so that's understandable. But I also didn't have a lot of intel around what people who had my experience, my outcomes were getting paid. Mm-hmm. And so once I started to understand that and under- literally tie it to a metric. So tie, you know, if an, if an organization goes out and spends X amount on advertising in a year, what would that equivalent if they hired a storyteller to share their story in an authentic way? We call it earned media and PR. Um, and so once I was able to kind of get the metrics and numbers and start to um, do some kind of comparative analysis between what I do and what other marketers do, I was able to go into conversations more confidently to talk about value. But the real, the real 
benefit of knowing your worth and knowing your value is that you just sleep better at night. Like when I know that I'm doing work and I'm getting, I'm being adequately compensated for, I show up enthusiastically. I'm, I'm more motivated. And I've seen that be true with my, my team members too. Um, when they feel valued and seen is that they show up with fresh ideas. They stay longer. We have a very high employee retention rate because I take that very seriously. What do you say to women who are not operating at the level of their value right now? I would say, so one of the challenges I see is that women, you know, women entrepreneurs, primarily black women entrepreneurs are the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs. It's fantastic. We're, we're, we're killing it in the business entrepreneurship world. That's great. Right. But our average revenues are still on the lower end of the spectrum. And so what I say is like, if you're going to leave your job because your boss is devaluing you because you don't feel appreciated, don't go off into the, the world of entrepreneurship in and devalue yourself and still refuse to ask for what you're worth. In my opinion, you may as well stay in the job environment where you're getting paid more, you know? And so I, I, and it sounds, it's, it's easier said than done because these are tough conversations to have. I think there's something to the art of negotiating, which I'm still trying to become a better negotiator. I, I think there's still a development um, opportunity for me, but I've learned a lot about it through the years. I think there is a, a something to the art of, um, being able to communicate your value proposition. And I think there's something to that art of just having pure confidence exactly. when you communicate what, you, what your expertise is. So so this is interesting. And, and I'm wondering your thoughts on this. For women of color, specifically, let's just talk about black women. And um, do you think the, unability, the, the inability to understand value has some sort of tie to traumatic experiences over time? And I'm talking about maybe even as far back as slavery. Is it that, you know, we you can't quite stomach when you walk in a room like you say, your mom trained you, your mom prepared you for these conversations to be in a room with uh, our counterparts of, of Caucasian descent. But what about people who just they just they never saw it. They never dreamed it. They can't imagine it. So they just happy to be in a room and take a nickel. You know. Absolutely. And I and I, 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 I'm glad you made that point because I do recognize everyone didn't have a Beverly Perry growing up. And I, and I think Beverly Perry is your mom. Yeah, Beverly's my mom. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I do. I have understand through the years like she is she is special and um, she is necessary, but she is also rare. I, I'm very clear on that. Um, and so that's also why I'm committed to giving back and mentoring young women, because I know they may not have had it in their life growing up. So to answer your question. I do think it's rooted in slavery. I think it's also rooted in this generation that we're in when we are breaking the generational cycles. So a lot of our parents are like, look, you got a job. I'm, I'm glad that's enough. Right. Or look, don't ruffle any feathers because you're, even though you're getting paid half as much as your white male counterparts, I'm just glad you got just a job. Just be so grateful. Should, just right. be grateful. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's generational generational trauma. Um, I think that there are societal um, kind of stigmas and constructs that allow us to think that it's okay to be paid less than others. So that's how, another part. How do you, how does, and you may or may not have the answer. I'm curious myself. How does one unpack that trauma enough to begin to see where you truly should be? And, and I, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur as well. And in the beginning, I was just charging. <clears throat> I was just happy to get a check. Realistically, like I'm like, cool. But then you realize you're working, like you said, twice as hard, harder than the next man. You're working long hours and it's just not enough to support, you know, especially if you have a family. And so <clears throat> it took me a while to get to a point where I'm like, you know what? Whether they say yes or no, this is the number I'm going to say. Yeah. 
that's a scary point for mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. like to be willing to lose the client it is scary and I mean, I definitely think it takes time. You know, I'm a big believer in therapy. So we're talking about trauma. I think, you know, there are experts that really help us kind of break down and unpack those. But really, Josh, when I started seeing um, kind of inequities very plainly for me is when I started being in rooms with, quite frankly, mediocre white men. And I realized, oh, this is how they were able to get in these spaces and in these environments and ask for this amount. And once I started kind of seeing it plainly with my own two eyes and not being afraid to just be in those rooms and kind of process and digest and (laughs) take mental notes, um, that's really when I started to have access to the fact that there are simple indicators that that, um, allow people to assume that you are the brightest in the world. For example, sometimes I'm in a room and we're going through a simple presentation and the people who are the most memorable are just the ones who spoke up and asked for a point of clarification. Very simple, very but true. oftentimes we shrink ourselves. Yeah, very true. Because, because Josh, I'm actually a shy person. We talked about that before. I'm a shy person, but I've realized shy, shyness is not going to get me anywhere. Yeah, man. And so, and so <laughs> I realized I can't leave this meeting and not add my voice to the conversation because I want a phone call after this for a follow-up consultation. And so a lot of times it's just recognizing like everyone else in the room has learned to fake it just earlier than we have. Wow. That's deep, yo. Wow. So, so what do you say? So, so basically, if you're in a room, number one, you should let it be known that you're in a room. Would you agree? Absolutely. Now, but what about how does that differ from people who just seek attention? Because like we're in this age right now, obviously, Instagram and everything like people are just looking for attention. How does how can you um, validate just speaking up for the sake of speaking up? Yeah, so I definitely want to be clear that that's not what I'm recommending. Right. No, 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 I know for sure. <laughs> I mean, be prepared. Like, never walk into a room and, and not be prepared. Sadly, some of our counterparts do walk into rooms unprepared, and they still are um, asked, invited back again. But I think I do think for us, even though I am, I'm urging us to uh, assume this confidence and assuming this um, uh, competence and capability when we move into any space. I also want us to, I want to recognize that we do have to be repaired than everyone else. And so, Absolutely. yeah, I would say, so before I walk into any meeting, I always know what I have to offer and what I hope to gain. And that could be meeting with 50 top performing executives or one person. Wow. No, so it's imp- it's funny. Confidence is built through repetition of practice mm-hmm. or repetition of understanding you like who you are. Yeah. And so when we're walking into these rooms, if someone is, you know, and I'm curious, someone's constantly like, I used to do this. Sorry, let me get my point out. I used to do this, especially in corporate America. I would sit in the room and I would just let people talk because I knew that no one is going to say what I'm going to say. But what I realized is me being quiet, they must they took that as, oh, he has nothing to say. Yeah. And I would wait to the right time to say something. Yeah. But it would come at the expense of their respect for me or them understanding that I knew what was going on. I mean, I knew what was going on all along. I just didn't feel like I need to say anything because eventually y'all were going to get to this point that I'm about to make, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if that makes sense, but it's real. I started to notice like, you know what? No, I need to engage in the conversation. I need to be in the room, be present. Yeah. We talk about that a lot too. Being present means being actively in that moment, engaged in what's happening. And a lot of times we drift. Yeah. You know, we yeah. drift. We drift because we're thinking about, oh, uh, I wonder what's going on at home or 
he doesn't even belong in this room or why you know we start asking ourselves all these different questions and we're not allowing ourselves to be our best self you know so no i think that's that's super super uh, cool so I, another thing that i find fascinating is you are what i call an alpha female i don't know if you would you agree that you're an, would you agree about that? i told you when, when we when we i told him before we went live we're going to talk about how gender and gender norms are social constructs uh, okay and Okay, keep going. So, so, so you're not an alpha female. You don't, you don't uh, subscribe to the whole idea. How would you describe an alpha female? I think an alpha female is someone who is uh, bold and they take action on the things that they want. Uh, they see it, and whether it's whether the barrier between it, the thing that they want is education, is uh, you know, relation, family, whatever, they are willing to attack things to go and get what they want and then also they don't necessarily wait on you know a man or a friend or daddy or mom to do something for them they if they if no one's there to do it they're going to figure out a way to get it done and so i you know that's how i feel uh alpha female comes off to me i wanted to ask you that because i feel like um there are variations of the definition and i feel like it does in some comp in some environments have a negative connotation and I feel like the where it can be problematic is that it um, you see this this um, narrative that black women are so strong that we don't need anything, especially those who are considered alpha females. Uh, and this shows up in a variety of industries. I think most I think mostly of maternal like healthcare, maternal right. healthcare. You mean like independent women? Well, yeah, I think about like someone like not even independent, but just strong women. And so I, the the reason why I have my um, uh, frustrations with the term is because it does draw a negative connotation and sometimes you see environments where someone may describe like a Serena Williams as an alpha woman and I don't know if you know the story like when she was you know in labor she told the doctor something's wrong something's wrong and the doctor is like she's a strong powerful black woman she'll be fine wow yeah and so the reason why when I hear anything that's associated with like strong black women I also want to remind myself and others to be gentle because we still need like a strong support system of partners um you know platonic and romantic right and we still need family and we still need things like plants to love on but absolutely and i think i think the reason why the way you described me right i mean the reason why you described me is because you go back go back to that generational um generational cycles it's like we have mothers who were like look you cannot wait on anyone because you're going to do all the things that i didn't have the chance to do all of them and so and so now what's interesting is my generation i believe that we are creating spaces, professional and um, personal and mental spaces that hopefully our daughters will be able to strike a healthy balance Absolutely. and feel like if I want to do it, I can, but I also can have help. Absolutely. No, you, you said something important um, about women being able to be um, the way I the way I interpret it is <clears throat> the power of femininity. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times it can be misunderstood. Yeah. Whereas I've met some women who know how to use that in a way that's so like cold and they can get whatever they want, We've you know? Yeah, no. So uh, I definitely don't downplay uh, the strength of a woman and, and everybody knows that women are very, very strong and resilient uh, creatures of life. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. So, you know, you've been able to um, sustain Medley Inc., correct? Which is your company, your agency, it's been 10 years now? Yeah, 11 in October of this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, was there ever a time you thought about quitting? 
Absolutely. Like once every two years at least. <laughs> once every two years, I'm in this place and I'm like, what are you doing? And I even get to the point that I really start creating like an exit, a short-term exit strategy in my mind. And it's so crazy because every time that happens, something miraculous happens. You get a call and it's a big contract or I, I get a coaching session from a mentor or something. But I mean, as an entrepreneur, it is, I don't even know how to describe it except for it makes you stronger, it makes you more resilient, and you sacrifice so much of who you are. My 20s were an entire blur. I wasn't like doing what all the cute girls on the gram are doing. Like I wasn't traveling, I wasn't clubbing, I wasn't having all these um, different romantic relationships that I think are important when you're young. I was just, you know, Medley was my baby, my company's my baby. It wasn't until I got in my 30s that I was able to sit back and be like, oh, we know what we're doing. I don't have to stay up at night anymore. So yeah, there were times that I felt like quitting, but every time something happened that reminded me of why I started and why I should continue. So talk about, you talked about wanting to quit and an entrepreneur. You were an entrepreneur back when it wasn't like necessarily cool to be an entrepreneur. Like, you know, in the last five years, it's entrepreneurs <laughs> popping up everywhere, you know? <laughs> so everybody, baby, mama, cousin, sister, friend is an entrepreneur, which is great. Yeah, it is you know, great. It's, gr- it's a good thing. And especially if you uh, embody the true definition of an entrepreneur yeah. and, and you're going after it, yeah. right? But you've been doing it for 10, 11 years and you're super young, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So what's that process like of being an entrepreneur for people who are thinking about getting into it, people who are in it and maybe they're struggling a little bit right now. They just need some encouragement, some words of advice. What do you have to say, uh, given all your uh, experience and just wisdom that you've gained? I would say um, don't be a perfectionist. And that's why I'm so proud of you and so happy for you, Josh, for yeah, launching your yeah, podcast. We're here. And we've talked about this a lot, Josh and I. Like, um, We get so caught up in the idea that everything has to be perfect before I launch. Um, you know, and it paralyzes us. It can be anything from our website to our logo. And it's just like, you offer valuable information and that's what people are here for. Um, they're, they're, I mean, I could be listening to a podcast and, and there, maybe there's video attached to it and I'm not even watching the video, but I have to get this message before my day starts. Absolutely. And so don't, don't, um, don't get too caught up in, um, in perfectionism. A mentor of mine recently told me that successful entrepreneurs, when they're faced with tough decisions, they are able to make them very quickly and act on them very extremely quickly. I was recently in this gray area and he was like, Ashley, the reason why you're not able to really grow right now in the spot is because you're in a gray area and entrepreneurs do not thrive in this space. And so I would say um, be crystal clear on, um, you know, where the problems are and the opportunities to solve problems. And that the last point I was going to make was um, entrepreneurs are problem solvers. Um, every day I'm looking at whether it's a client issue or an opportunity to, to meet the demands of the market by offering a new service within our company. And so I guess my piece of advice would be to don't be a perfectionist and always be thinking about solving problems and know that there is a need because every kind of idea that was once something that we were pondering about, you know, maybe imagining, started off with someone's imagination. And then there are some folks who were just brave enough to say, man, I better be super cool to create mugs that people can keep warm, keep their tea in all day and have tea at 8 a.m. or 5 p.m. and it's still warm. And it's still warm. And it's still warm. And and no one else has done it, so why shouldn't I try? And so when I think about that, how innovation is born, it makes me want to go out and start like five more businesses. No, absolutely. No, so that you're getting to the crux of what I believe. Even even this podcast, I was like, 
if I create it, if I do it, it needs to help other people. Yeah. It can't be for me to just glorify myself and talk, 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 talk. Like nobody wants to hear me talk all day. How can I make sure anything I'm doing is serving and helping yeah. other people? Yeah. And that key word I live by is service. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, if you know, take it from Ashley and she's been doing it. She's proven she's bi coastal now, which is super dope. <laughs> she started in Houston for her first nine yeah, years, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Now she's doing a uh, communication strategist type of work uh, from LA to Houston and then probably expanding out more soon. Hopefully. Yeah. So no, this is someone to learn from someone that I look up to and we work together on different projects, but it's a, a wealth of knowledge here. So I want to do something real quick. I want to do something called rapid fire. Okay. Rapid fire. I'm ready. And so I'm just going to say a word mm-hmm. and you just tell me what the first thing to come to your mind. Okay. All right. So let's go with greatness. Okay. The point of rapid fire, <laughs> the point of rapid fire is to rapidly fire words. <laughs> so okay. we, we, we will try let's this again. Over. Let's try this again. Okay. okay. Let's go with uh, love. Family. Power. Oprah. Respect. My mother. Mm. Wealth. Myself. There we go. <laughs> hey. I am manifesting. You know, I don't think there was a better answer to that uh, rapid fire question. And it's, uh, so something uh, that I like to do, uh, we did this at my last event, Legacy Talk. Uh, um, it's an event I, I hosted with my homeboy Ramon, by the way. Shout out to Legacy Lapel. We'll talk about that later. But your obituary when you die is kind of a dark part of the interview. I know. Just go with me for a little bit, though. Have you ever considered what you want your obituary to say? I hadn't until I saw that you were going to ask me that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so um, I would just say that I want to be remembered as someone who was brave. Um, when I saw the when I saw an opportunity or a problem and I fixated my mind on fixing it, I actually went for it. I want to be remembered as someone who did give voice to others. Um, and I want to be remembered as someone who practiced living a selfless life. Beautiful. That's awesome. And then also you've written a book. You're an author. We didn't even talk about that. Let's talk about this book. Let's talk about the process around it and all that has come with it. Let's talk about fear. We have to start there. <laughs> there we go. Seriously, because I wrote this book in 2017 um, as a part of a program, a, a leadership development program, and a part of our kind of graduation included creating a growth plan, how you would grow your business. Mm-hmm. And this was my MVP, my minimum viable product to test a concept. And so we've talked about it. Anytime before you launch a business, read The Lean Starters, one of my favorite books. Um, you want to test the proof. Of, make, the Lean Start. you know the author? I don't know the list. Oh, it's cool. Um, My bad. Eric, Eric Rice, I believe. But anyway, it's um, it is focused on. <clears throat> excuse me. Before you go out and you know raise $500,000 to invest in a new business because you think it's awesome, which most of us do. We have a new idea. Test the proof of concept. And so how you do that is you create a minimum viable product. Anyway, the ebook is really essential to test a theory that I believe is true about our industry, media. As I mentioned, I went to school to be a journalist, but by the time I graduated from school, journalism was pretty much dead. And so I understood early on that I have to be, for lack of better words, the killer of my business, the killer of my industry. I have to take me out before my competitors do. Interesting. 
And so that's why I wrote the book. So it's about how to garner, so how to use social media to garner attention of the press. Because I, what I do know is true is that you can go on Twitter right now, type in CNN and Twitter search, and have access to CNN producers right there. Right. It's a matter of if you have the tools to actually communicate with them effectively. And so a part of my um, ebook, my goal is to help small business owners and aspiring business owners learn how to, to authentically engage with the press on social media. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Who's the ideal person? Uh, obviously, you said small businesses, but who is there, you know, a certain someone going after a certain career that should be reading this book? Or is it something that as millennials, honestly, should we all have an idea of what's, what, what you've written in this book? I would say all business owners, small to medium sizes. Um, I'm specifically um, focused on reaching media in Houston and L.A. So that kind of gives you some geographic boundaries. Right. I saw that you're giving away some contacts. You have a media list. And so it comes with a media list. That's that's really kind of the the meat of the book. Right. Because not only do you get the tools on how to connect with the press, you also get the vehicles on how to reach them. And so it's it's a lot of value. No, that's amazing. I I have one of my companies is entertainment based and I know how important it is to be able to reach press, especially when you're doing a rollout or you're coming up with some new product or some new song or artist, whatever the case may be. So make sure where can they find the book? You can find it on my website at ashley-small.com. It is for sale. And I appreciate that plug. I am a new business owner in a new way, launching a new venture. So I appreciate that. No, it's important. Uh, the ability to make money while you're asleep. Yes. And the ability to create something that'll live on even when you pass. Yes. I think is important. Yes. I'm a big believer in multiple revenue streams. And it, it, it is it is a wonderful feeling. We At our company now, we have probably about four or five different types of content that are for sale. And it's a beautiful feeling to wake up in the morning. And you're like, oh, I have a little more money than I did yesterday. And so I do want to encourage other business owners. Like I mentioned earlier, Josh, don't sit on your content because you feel as though it's not perfect or because others may not benefit from it. There's someone who just doesn't have access to the information that you have. So put it online and sell it. Absolutely. Knowing that you have value, right? And even if you see someone with something similar to what you have, you are still completely different. And, uh, you know, again, to be honest with you, that's why it took me so long to launch. It's like, oh, it's like a million podcasts. Like I just get into the saturated world and I say, you know what? But my purpose is different. And then purpose. Wow. Did we talk about your purpose? No, but I mean, we kind of did. I think I think my purpose aligns with what I, how I describe myself in my obituary. Like, I really do feel like um, I am meant to give voice to others and help tell stories that otherwise wouldn't be told. One hundred percent. Like, I know that I'm doing what I'm intended to do. I never I never think about switching industries. But you just said something that sparked an idea or sparked a thought. You said, um kind of this it's not necessarily imposter syndrome but this idea of my around value when you talked about um launching a podcast versus other people having a podcast um kind of going back to what we talked about earlier around value I think when I kind of really transitioned and started to really understand my value is when I started to understand Ashley organizations want to work with you the person what you offer your ideas like they they love they like your website they like what you offer but really they want to work with you and so once I started getting my mind around that 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 can't be replicated period I started worrying less about competitors I stopped worrying less about revenue and I started having confidence oh Ashley just walk into the room as your full self and you'll be able to close on some business and so that was really when I stopped looking at competitors um 100% okay yeah so no that's that's so good um I struggle with that even right here as I'm talking it's like you know what but then I have to remind myself that I'm dope and it's probably nobody as dope as me I agree <laughs> no, <I'm> just, just <laughs> but that's how you should feel about yourself you're like hey we are all individuals 
and we're here created we're created to do something individually special yeah. and so that's important what would ashley today tell ashley of let's say 15 years ago oh gosh good question this wasn't on the this wasn't on the list <laughs> um to spend less time worrying about the future. I spent a lot of my time in my 20s just worried. And I think a lot of the worry came from, you talked about earlier, kind of these, these generational cycles, the trauma, just knowing where I had come from and knowing where I wanted to go and knowing what it would take to get there. Um, I spent a lot of time just worried, staying up at night, stressed out. And so I would tell myself, um, it goes back to the value conversation. It goes back to the confidence conversation. And it also goes, yeah, like you are enough. You are capable. You are competent. And um, don't worry. And, and you are a gift to your industry. You are a gift to the world. Um, so that's what I would do. I spent too much time worrying in my 20s. All right. Curveball. What does Ashley today want to tell Ashley 15 years from now? <laughs> Oh, this is an easy one for me. Um, clock out more often. Like, I want to tell myself that you are not in a space where you are working, not, maybe not even 40 hours a week, and that's totally okay. Don't have guilt attached to this idea that you're not valuable if you're not contributing professional work 24 7. Um, I plan to be in a place by then where I'm not and I don't want to have any guilt associated with it. Absolutely. If I make the right, you know, if all of us make the right financial decisions, right financial investments, we can have that type of life. I hope that I can have it and not still feel compelled to keep working all the time. Absolutely. No, this has been good. All right. Before we go, before we get out of here, um, the people want to know, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What would you advise someone Hey, I saw this on Netflix. I saw this on YouTube or this book is, you know, what are you giving yourself to or ingesting? I'm reading a book right now called Sapiens is really fascinating. Um, it's described as a brief history of humankind. Um, it can be a little dark, but <laughs> but um, in what way? What, what do you mean? Um, because it literally um, walks us through the experience of mankind since the beginning of mankind. And so when you look at things like the agricultural revolution, when you look at the um, hunter gatherer, when you look at how man has evolved through the years, you see things like greed. Um, you know, you see things like sabotage, betrayal. Um, capitalism, 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 right. slavery. And so you see all these themes that are so um, true today. And so it can be challenging to be hopeful, but it's also great to understand the strategy of mankind because some men throughout history from certain, with, um, from certain backgrounds, certain demographics have leaned into um, some of these um, unhealthy behaviors. And so from a political standpoint, it's important to just know. Right. And so it gives you insight to the behavior of men. So when you're at the table and you don't understand why someone is behaving the way they are, why they're communicating in the way they are, you understand that they are survivalists. Exactly. And so um, so for me, from a political standpoint, it helps remind me of, oh, this is why we're having this tension in the room. Right. Because man has always, and when I say man, I mean the human species. Man has always operated from a place of self-preservation. Um, and so that's that's been a great book, though. I think I think if you're into human psychology, if you interact with people, different personalities on a daily basis, it's a must read. Mm, OK, what have you been watching during quarantine? Are you watching? I'm watching all kind of stuff right now. <laughs> What's your favorite thing? Right now? Um, my favorite thing to watch right now. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm actually doing a throwback and watching Breaking Bad. Wow. <laughs> 
definitely a throwback. And it's good because I think um, I, I like watching shows that I used to watch because my understanding of them then yeah. are, is so different now. So now I'm in this point of having, I have a lot more empathy for right. personalities right. because I have more intel around what what can become of you if you don't have people who love you and nurture on you and tell you you're enough, you know, Jesse from the show. Or when you're like on Walter White and he um, he never got to step into his power as a brilliant scientist. And so back then I just thought, man, these people are messed up. I can't believe he's making these decisions. They're irresponsible. They're right. criminals. But now that I'm watching, I'm like, man, they have some really challenging psychological experiences. <laughs> it's interesting how your psyche grows and your consciousness grows and you can go back to something that you've been looking at for the last 10 years yeah. and it's, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. I just think that's an interesting phenomenon. So, um, and of course I'm watching Insecure. Insecure yeah. for sure. Shout out to Issa Rae. <laughs> um, have you seen, by chance, have you, I, I, and it, we're just talking now at this point. <laughs> I'm just curious, have you seen uh, Wild Wild Country? No. Okay, everybody, including you, should okay. go watch Wild Wild Country. And I'm not going to even spoil it, okay. but it's an amazing five-part docuseries okay. of actual events that took place in the United States that you wouldn't even believe okay. like and so um I'll check back in with you but is there any parting advice you have for people who are listening people who want to know how to become a communication strategist an entrepreneur just a powerful black woman owning her dominance is there anything one piece of advice that you leave or that you've heard in your life that stuck with you Lately, I have been seeing the value of showing up as my authentic self. And I know we talk about that a lot, too. Um, most of our clients focus on multicultural marketing. And I've realized if you don't allow me to show up as a black woman and, and share my black experiences and, and tell stories from a black lens, I'm, I'm not going to do you a service or the community you serve. And so I would just say, be authentic, show up as your true self. And in the climate that we're in now, I think it's even more important to be brave and bold and call out things like microaggressions, um, call out biases and call out prejudices. When I think about the officer involved in the killing of George Floyd, George Floyd, I thought, man, he probably has a sister or a daughter or a cousin who just never called him out on those microaggressions. Wow. And you see how that erupts when no one's checking your behavior. Wow. And so um, we have to check those things if we're in the space to do that. Um, and then within our own circles, black circles, I'm so glad that um, you're seeing tragedies like this help us unite and be more intentional about our economic power, mm -hmm. See, um, be more intentional about our collective community power, and and our, our be more intentional about how we mourn and grieve and celebrate together. So so show up authentically and don't be afraid to call out anything that just doesn't sit right with you or does not align with your values. That's that's so powerful. I think what you just said is the true meaning of diversity and inclusion. You know, we talk about that a lot, but a lot of people think diversity and inclusion mean and just add a adding a person of color to your team, right? But no, it means allowing them on the team and their experiences and their background, where they're from, what their tradition is, and then allowing that to effectively change the team in a way so we can see the world through a new lens. So Ashley Small, man, I appreciate you. Thank you. My first guest. I'm honored. I'm honored. Yo, we she let us, guest. We, by the way, we're set up in her house right now. You can't see it because you're listening unless you're watching us on YouTube. By the way, go check us out on YouTube. But Yo, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Please like, subscribe, give me a rating. It's only at one episode, uh, but I'll be here for a while. So stick around. Catch you guys next show. Congratulations.
Thank you again for stepping into the Transformation Chamber. I'm your host, Joshua T. Dada, and today we interviewed Ashley Small, business owner, leader, and entrepreneur. To get her book, Connect to Press, follow her on IG at Ashley Small and visit her website at ashley-small.com. To find out more about the Transformation Chamber, follow me at Joshua T. Dada or visit my website, joshuat.com. See you soon.